Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Mike Rosenberg from Columbia Credit Union. Mike says they trust what they see and hear on OPB, and that aligns with Columbia Credit Union's brand. From the Gert Boyle studio at OPB, this is Think Out Loud. I'm Dave Miller. Last week, a federal judge found that Measure 114 does not violate the U.S. Constitution. The measure is the gun safety law that Oregon voters passed in November. It would ban the manufacture, purchase, or sale of magazines that can hold more than 10 rounds of ammunition. It would also require that people take a safety course and pass a background check to get a permit before they can purchase firearms. Before the law went into effect, though, it ran into legal challenges at the federal and state levels. For more on where the law stands right now and what this all means, I'm joined by Norman Williams. He teaches constitutional law at Willamette University's College of Law. Welcome back to the show. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me, Dave. Good afternoon. What did the two sides focus on in their arguments in federal court last month? So most of the argument concerns uh, Measure 114's ban on large capacity magazines, meaning uh, gun magazines that can hold more than 10 uh, rounds of ammunition uh, in it. And most of the focus was on whether um, that type of of regulation, that ban on large capacity magazines, uh, was uh, analogous to gun regulations in the past? Um, uh, what, was there some type of historical antecedent for that type of ban that would therefore justify Oregon adopting Measure 114? As I understand it, this is tied to um, a, a pretty new standard uh, that stems from the U.S. Supreme Court's 2022 ruling in the Bruin case. Can you explain what the text, history, and tradition standard entails now? Uh, it's a great question. So uh, in the Bruin case uh, last year, the U.S. Supreme Court uh, uh, basically reconfigured how it approaches Second Amendment gun rights. Previously, uh, it had employed a balancing test, basically asking whether the state's interest in regulating firearms outweighed um, the burden on gun owners' rights. Uh, but in the Bruin case, uh, the court announced a his, uh, historical approach that going forward, um, burdens on uh, gun owners' rights were not justified unless the government could point to a law in 1791 at the time the Second Amendment was ratified um, that was uh, comparable uh, to the law under review. And so this has really focused the federal courts on looking at the history of firearms regulation to decide whether a modern regulation has some type of historical antecedent that existed in 1791. So how did federal judge Karen Immergut um, talk about the the history and tradition of uh, firearm regulation as it relates to this relatively new technology of high-capacity magazines? Yeah, so Judge Immergut uh, conducted a week-long trial um, where uh, historians testified about um, the history of gun regulation uh, in America. Now, in 1791, um, uh, there weren't bans on large capacity magazines. And one of the uh, critical questions was, you know, was that because there weren't such uh, magazines or uh, because uh, early Americans just weren't uh, concerned about gun violence at that time? As a result of 
the absence of any direct regulation of, of large capacity magazines, then Judge Emmerich focused instead on other types of um, regulations. And she looked beyond firearms regulations. She looked uh, to the regulations of gunpowder, of knives, of blunt objects. And um, from that history that that uh, Americans have regulated um, uh, violent weapons, she concluded that uh, the Second Amendment doesn't ban uh, the government from adopting new regulations that responds to new technologies like uh, uh, assault weapons or large capacity magazines. So that is um, what seems like it, it took up the, the the brunt of the arguments on either side um, for this particular case. But the judge also ruled in on the constitutionality of the permit to purchase requirement. What did she say? So with regard to the permit to purchase requirement, she very much limited her consideration to whether on its face, whether that was uh, a violation of the Second Amendment. And she concluded based on some language in the Supreme Court's Bruin decision that licensing requirements uh, do not on their face violate the Second Amendment. It's important, though, that uh, um, Judge Emmerich reserved the question whether the application of the permit to purchase requirement in actually enforcing that requirement, whether the state might enforce it uh, in too burdensome a manner. And she left open the question of what we would call an as-applied challenge uh, to the permitting requirement, basically leaving it for a later date after that requirement goes into effect whether to determine whether it's being administered in too burdensome a fashion. And we can talk about the potential timeline for that later, what, what it would take before this law could actually go into effect and, and when that might happen. Gun rights groups have already appealed this decision, uh, Judge Immigrant's decision, to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. But whatever happens there, is it safe to assume that that, that decision is going to be appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court? I think so. Uh, the the Ninth Circuit will take probably something on the order of a year to issue uh, its decision. Um, but uh, Oregon is um, uh, right now at the forefront of the litigation regarding the constitutionality of bans on large capacity magazines. And this is an issue that I think the U.S. Supreme Court will ultimately uh, be interested in and uh, take up. And that could be uh, several years away before the U.S. Supreme Court weighs in on Measure 114. Does the current court's makeup or their recent rulings, do they give you any indication on how they might approach Oregon's law? Uh, they do. And the, the, there's something to a tea leaf reading quality here, speculation as to how the U.S. Supreme Court might look. But looking at what they said in the Bruin decision and then looking at a uh, prior decision from several years ago in the Ninth Circuit, a case called Duncan versus Bonta, I think it's um, likely that the uh, ban on high-capacity magazines uh, will be found by the U.S. Supreme Court to be unconstitutional. Um, the current six-justice conservative majority, um, which struck down New York's uh, um, uh, uh, carry permit uh, requirement in the Bruin case, 
very much um, kind of uh, uh, announced its intention to be um, very protective of gun owners' rights and to be very rigorous in how it looks at the history of firearms regulation. And there was a judge on the Ninth Circuit in um, uh, uh, a case involving California's ban on on high-capacity firearms that basically said history doesn't show that these types of bans are justified. And so um, one might kind of read between the lines here that the U.S. Supreme Court is likely to follow that same type of um, historical uh, focus and conclude that there just aren't any uh, comparable bans on high capacity magazines that existed in 1791 that therefore justify uh, a modern ban on them. That uh, again is is focused on um, the the ban on high capacities. What about the the permit to purchase provision when it comes to the Supreme Court? About three weeks ago, the High Court agreed to hear a case from Texas where the issue is whether or not people with domestic violence orders can be banned from purchasing firearms. The the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals had struck down a federal law saying that. Could that have a bearing on Oregon's law? Uh, yes, I, I think the Measure 114's permit to purchase requirement is unlike the ban on large capacity magazines. Um, it's likely to be upheld as constitutional. Uh, in the Bruin decision, um, uh, Justice Kavanaugh and Chief Justice Roberts uh, concurred in striking down the New York um, uh, uh, licensing requirement, but they expressly said that in general, licensing requirements are perfectly constitutional. So adding Justice Kavanaugh and Chief Justice Roberts to the three uh, dissenting justices in Bruin provides a five justice majority in favor of the constitutionality of licensing requirements. Um, now, you mentioned the Fifth Circuit case, a case called United States versus Rahimi, in which the Fifth Circuit struck down a federal statute that bans um, individuals who are subject to a domestic violence restraining order um, from possessing a firearm. The U.S. Supreme Court took that case and will hear it this upcoming year. Uh, and that, uh, again, signals that the Supreme Court is somewhat discomfited. Uh, by that decision. The U.S. Supreme Court typically takes cases with an eye to reversing. Um, about 70% of the cases that it takes, it reverses because it doesn't see its point in kind of applauding a lower court that got it right. It sees its role as um, uh, reversing lower courts that get it wrong. And so, again, there's some uh, tea leaf uh, reading here, uh, but the kind of the, the early conventional wisdom is that uh, the court is likely to reverse the Fifth Circuit, hold that uh, individuals who are subject to domestic violence restraining orders um, uh, don't have Second Amendment rights to possess firearms. And since the underlying rationale of those bans is that these are people who are um, mentally unstable or prone to violence. Um, that is the same rationale for Measure 114's uh, requirement of background checks and gun safety training in order to acquire the, the permit to purchase. And so I think the, the Rahimi decision, what, whatever it is, will very much bear upon um, the permit to purchase requirement in Measure 114. All of this, um, as you said, looking at at the tea leaves, it suggests a, 
a, a tough hill um, for the state to climb in terms of the federal case as it goes forward after this initial win at the district court level. But there's, in addition to all of this, there is the state trial as well, which is looming in September. How are the issues there, the state constitutional challenge, similar or different? So very similar, but different in one critical way, which is that the um, the litigation going on in Harney County, a case called uh, Arnold versus Kotek, um, focuses solely on the state constitutional um, protection uh, for gun owners' rights. And um, the trial judge in Harney County has already concluded last December that he thinks it more likely than not that Measure 114 uh, violates uh, the Oregon Constitution's protection uh, on the right uh, to bear arms. Um, the judge will be holding a trial uh, in September um, uh, that will um, go to the ultimate merits of whether that's true, but it's, it's highly unlikely that he's going to reverse himself, uh, that after having concluded last December um, that Measure 114 is likely unconstitutional. Um, uh, uh, it's not unprecedented for judges to change their mind, but there's no indication that um, this judge is, is like to. So I, I think what will likely happen is some point this fall, um, the Harney County judge will uh, issue a judgment holding that under the state constitution, uh, Measure 114 is unconstitutional. And then that too would go to the Oregon Court of Appeals, I assume, or straight to the state Supreme Court. And and once again, we would wait for the high court to, to weigh in. That's right. That's right. And that's an important point here is that for Measure 114 to ever go into effect, it's right now currently um, being held uh, in, in abeyance by the state court judge in Harney County. Um, but for it to ever go into effect, the state has to win in both the federal courts and the state courts. Um, uh, gun owners only have to prevail in one of these uh, uh, cases uh, for Measure 114 um, to be struck down. Norman Williams, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you, David. Norman Williams is a professor at Willamette University College of Law who teaches constitutional law. Members make Think Out Loud and all of OPB's independent journalism possible. Support the next fascinating story and join in as a sustainer at opb.org pod.